together, family. Last week was marriage, and today we're going to finish with caring for one another. And, and this is just a reminder that all of this stuff goes together. It, it all comes together into a package, and we're a church family, and each of us belongs to one another. So as, as we are, we're a part of a body that belongs to one another as a family, and and um, we're going to see that in the passage of Scripture today. So the purpose of the series has been to highlight the fact that we're a church body and that we're designed to function as a church body with each part vitally connected to the others, that we're all connected together. And small groups are a key part of that. They're a key part of, of who we are, and they're a key part of being connected. And it moves us from just being in the worship service and, and hearing to actually being able to interact with one another, to, to ask questions, to give input, and, and so forth, and, and to grow in our faith. So as we've done this series each week, we put together a discussion guide that goes along with the messages, and, and then in our small groups, we've talked about that and, and given people chances and opportunities to ask questions and, and, and so forth. So that's what we've done with it all, and, and also small groups give us an opportunity to serve together. So small groups are a chance that, that people can get together and, and do things together to help. So it's a place to find support as you go through life, as you come in into a small group or with other people that come and know what's going on in your life when things are going on you need help with something so they're there to do that so having said all that in a church the size of ours with two worship services and a pretty good number of people who attend each week it's, it's really easy to fall through the cracks it's easy to come in and, and to be somewhat anonymous and, and then just slip out but small groups is, is the place where you can come and connect and and be more known to others and, and get to know folks and, and serve with others so coming into Romans chapter 12 verses 3 through 8 um, it says for by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So let's look at three things in here in verse 3. The first is to serve one another with humility. Paul is he's telling his people, we well, need to serve one another with humility. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, don't think of yourself more highly than you should, but to think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has given to you. In other words, be humble in, in your assessment of yourself and others. Each part of the church body is essential would be another way of, of putting it and be sober in the way that you assess other people and their gifts. To uh, um, Another way he, you, you might phrase that is don't be drunk on pride. Don't think that your gift is the gift or the most important gift or the only gift that matters or, or the gift that all the other gifts hang on. But instead, be sober in your assessment. In Philippians 2.3, Paul put it this way. He said, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility 
count others more significant than yourselves. He's saying, look, you, you need to look around you and say, you know what? I am not the most significant person in the room. There are other people who are just as significant or more than significant, more significant than me. In Romans 12.10, he says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Ha- having said all that, it's just saying that everybody is important. Everybody has a role to play. And some functions seem really important, while other functions go unnoticed but eventually, when they're no longer taking place, they're noticed. It's noticed when, when something's supposed to be happening, and it's not. It's, it's um, <clears throat> like routine maintenance. Routine maintenance has to happen. For instance, in, in the car, you know, um, some people figure if the car's got gas in it and the tires have air, it's good to go. And that's all you ever have to worry about. You just put gas in it and it goes. And, and you can do that for, uh, you know, if you got a new car, you can do it for a pretty long time. And, and I've heard of people who went, you know, 10,000 miles or more without ever even thinking about anything or doing anything or maybe even more than that. And you just go, ooh, don't want to buy that car. Um, but, uh, but, you know, the truth of the matter is in, in the car, you got to change the oil. You got to add washer fluid. You've got to check the belts. You've got to rotate the tires. You got to do all kinds of stuff if you want the thing to work right. And some of you are going, do what? Huh? You know, somebody else takes care of that. That's fine. You get somebody else to do it. Nothing wrong with that. But, but the bottom line is if you don't, the wheels eventually come off. Things go wrong and they go bad. And, and so there's all kinds of things that happen. If you look at a vehicle, there are all kinds of things that, that, that have to happen for that thing to keep doing what it's going. It's the same way in a church. Not that we change oil or anything like that, but there's stuff that happens that you don't see and it's important. You don't necessarily think about it because it's not in your wheelhouse. It's not something you do. That's not the, the thing that you're gifted for or it's not something that, that you even really think about but but it's happening and it's taking place and and then all of a sudden if it doesn't happen you notice you see we we see certain roles in the church as being the key thing you know, we, we look and go, you know what, there, there are things that these, these, this is just it, you know. You, you got to have somebody who preaches, you got to have somebody who plays music, and, and you got to have somebody who, who teaches kids. And if that's, you got you got it. <laughs> no way. No way. Look, that is just scratching the surface. Those, those are things that, that without all the other things that happen, they can't take place. So it all comes in there, and every role needs a role with it in order to be successful. So if you come in here, he, he's saying, you know, don't, don't think of yourselves more in, importantly than you had. Another way of putting it is, is um, I don't have any spare body parts. They're all important. Every part I got is important to me. And um, <clears throat> I don't want to remove any of them. But there are plenty of body parts I have that I don't ever think about. As a matter of fact, I got stuff in me I don't even know what it's called or what it is, and I don't even care. But every now and then I go to the hospital and visit somebody, and they're having something taken out. And you don't want that to happen. I mean, the ideal goal in life is that you come into the world with all your parts and you leave with all your parts, right? I mean, anybody want to get rid of anything this week? No. I mean, I want all my teeth. I want all my fingers. I want my hair. I want it all. I just want it all. 
And, and if something goes, and then it does, but, but then I have to function without whatever that is. And, and so there are plenty of roles in church that you don't ever think about. Just like, you know, there, there may be things that you don't think about in your body until they start hurting, and then you think about them, and that's all you can think about. And, and so it's, it's that way. You know, for instance, if, um, if the people that do the nursery didn't show up today, you would notice it. You would. You'd notice it. And um, that, that's just the way it goes. Next week, when we have a potluck, if the people that do food don't do food, people are going to go, what's up with this? Who dropped the ball? And, and you would, you know, kind of look in other and go, well, no, actually, there were people here and that, that was their thing, you know. So you come in and, and there are just a lot of parts in, in church that you don't ever think about, but you want them to happen. They have to happen. So whatever God has called you to do, here's what Paul is saying, whatever God has called you to do, it's important. It matters. And, and whatever God has called someone else to do, it's important. It's not less important than what you do. It's not less noble. It's not less anything. It's equal. It's just as much a part of what God has called to, to do within the church. It's essential, and it's essential to the overall health of the church. And, and so we need to recognize the fact that each contribution plays a part in the over, overall well-being of the body. Each part has a contribution to play in the overall well-being of the body. In Colossians 3.17, it puts it this way, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything that goes on here, it's done to Christ. It's done as to Him. We serve as if we are serving Him, and we're giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So everything that takes place in the building, whether it's somebody who's going around making sure that stuff gets picked up off the floor, or um, they're, they're passing out bulletins coming in, greeting you, showing, you where, showing people where to go. Um, <clears throat> the people who came in during the week to practice, to do music, whatever it is, everything is important. You don't necessarily always see it happen, but it's all done to the glory of God. And another aspect of humility is, not to, is, is that we don't use our knowledge or our maturity in a way that causes others to stumble. You say, well, how could that be? If I'm a mature Christian, how can I make another Christian stumble? It's, it's really easy. If you come in over in 1 Corinthians 10, in 1 Corinthians, there, there were, in Corinth, there were believers living there who were new believers, and, and they'd grown up in idolatry. I mean, in there, they, they worshipped all kinds of gods and things back in the Roman world. And, and so they had worshipped all of these gods, and they'd go through the marketplace, and, and they would take a sheep or a cow or a goat or whatever it was, and they would sacrifice it to, a, to some idol, and then they'd take it to the marketplace and sell it. And the mature Christians, they'd walk through that. You know, people have been a Christian, they say, look, an idol is nothing. It's nothing. It means nothing. It's dead. It can't do anything. I'll eat, I'll eat anything. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't bother me at all. The other people there who are new Christians, they said, you know what? This, this is what I, I was raised in, and, and it's really dragging me down. And, and I just can't go there. I can't do this. And, and what Paul said was, he said, look. He said, for some of you, an idol is nothing. Eat whatever you want. Don't worry about it. But don't do it in front of this person because you're going to cause him to stumble. 
and, and you're going to cause him to be weak in his faith. And, and what he's saying is, he said, you need to put their, their needs and their understanding above you and, and understand that. So Paul, he, he did this in both ways to say, if you're going to do something that even though you know it's absolutely biblically right, if it's going to cause someone else to stumble, don't do it. He said, give up that freedom for the good of another person. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, he, put, he, he wraps that section up. He says, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. He said, you should do it for the right reasons. So there are times that, that we forego our freedoms in Christ for the benefit of those in the congregation who would be caused to have a guilty conscience from that. And, and you know, I kind of think in, in different ways and and so forth. And one thing, I say, well, um, <clears throat> for some people, it's it's the version of the Bible they read that's that's paramount to them. You know, say, so you know what? It's I, I I have to read from a King James Bible. That's that's fine. You know, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, and and as a matter of fact, you know, I, I think having a really high view of Scripture is, is a great thing. For me, I, I mean, obviously I'm not doing that, but you noticed that already um, if you're following along, and, and it's because I'm not smart enough for that, so I can't understand it. So I like something that's written a little more in, in something that, that I can do, and, and just knowing that it's all been translated out of another language anyway helps me along with that. So I come in and go there, but I'm not going to get jacked up over it. I'm not going to get an argument over it. I'm not even going to go, you know, I'm not going to preach a sermon on it. Because it's, it's a dead issue for me. It's not an issue. It's not a thing. I, I just um, look at it and go, you know what? We're going to do whatever's important. If I was teaching a class of people and they said, look, this is what we've got to do, that's what I would do. Wouldn't bother me at all. I wouldn't be offended. I wouldn't feel like I, I needed to explain to them that, that this was, you know, this didn't, I didn't agree with it. I just wouldn't do it. I'd just do it because that's the way it is. And, and so you come in. For some people, the sanctuary is a sacred space. You know, if, if they came in here and, and you had a kid's event here on a Wednesday night and they're running around, they go, whoa, we can't do this. It's a sacred space. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. As a matter of fact, I, I think that, you know, to say that things are sacred is, 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 you know, when you come in and say, you know what, this space means something to me, I think that's fine. I also don't have a problem with kids playing in it. But I, I sure wouldn't blow up the farm over it all, you know. It just, it's not worth it, is it? And this is what Paul is saying. He said, look, sometimes people get jacked up over things that are not primary issues. We're not talking about Jesus being the sinless son of God who was born of a virgin, who walked on this earth for 33 years, who died on the cross, who was buried in a tomb, who resurrected, walked around this world for 40 days after that with, with eyewitnesses, ascended into the right hand, heaven at the right hand of God, who is coming back and is going to establish a new heaven and earth. We're not questioning any of that. That's not up for grabs. That's ironclad. That's the gospel truth. We'll never compromise on that. It's a primary issue. The other stuff that we're talking about, these are different things that are coming in. These are opinions um, one way or another. So the principle is simple. It's just we need to think about how others are affected 
by our actions. And also remember that we all have different gifts and that each gift is given by God for the good of the entire body. So we come in and, and everything we do is to do that. It's living and honoring one another. It's being humble and, and coming before God. So this is where he was saying, he was saying, you know, some of you, you're just kind of drunk with pride. You need to have sober judgment. And then the next thing he comes in, in verses 4 and 5, is to always remember that we're a family. We need to always remember that the church is a family. It's, it's not an org, you know, it, we don't have an org chart or something like that where, where we come in. We're a family. We're a family of people. We have different roles. We have different responsibilities. But ultimately, we're a family because we love one another. We care for one another. He says, for as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. I don't know about your house, but my house, we all do different stuff. Uh, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. As a matter of fact, my wife and I, if we take a personality test, I can take hers and she can take mine. You know how I take hers? I answer the opposite of what I'd think. And that's how she does it for me. As a matter of fact, I had to do one one time, and I was sitting at the table reading them out, and, and every time I'd read it out, I'd go, and I'd give the four, and I'd go this one, and she'd go, no, that one. And, and so basically, you know, we found that out right when we got married. And, and so we're just different. But we're together, we're stronger because of that. So everybody... Um, is different in my home, but we're all essential. As a matter of fact, there's nobody I want to lose in my home. Nobody. I mean, everybody is important. My family is that way. And as, as, you, uh, <clears throat> as, as we come in in our family, you know, currently we're empty nest. And, and um, that's a good thing, you know, nothing wrong with it. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's called peace and quiet. But... Um, <laughs> And some of you are going, does that ever happen? It really does, yes. And, uh, and, and, um, but, but we're still a family. And we have extended family. We have parents. Um, we have children, uh, nieces, nephews. We have a grandchild on the way. Thank, thank you, Lord. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's all a great thing. And, and we're a part of each other, and we care for one another. We all care for one another. We all help one another. We're all a part of each other's lives. And that's what the church is like. This is the way that the Bible describes the church as being a family. That, that we may not all be together all the time, but we're a part of one another's lives. We care about one another. We care about what's going on. And it's made up of many members. So you're likely close to a few people in church. As you come into church, you should be close to a few people. There should be some people here that you know. They know your life. They know, they, they know your hurts. They know your needs. They, they know a little bit about you. They know how to pray for you. They know how to come alongside you and encourage you and, and help you. And <clears throat> then there are other people that, that you may or may not know. You just may or may not know them, but they're still family. You know, it's, um, there's, there's a pretty good-sized room in here, so I'm assuming, you, you know, if I ask you real quick, I said, hey, I want you to stand up and name everybody in the room, you'd, you'd look at me like, you're evil. Um, you know, <laughs> how could you do that? Um, and, and um, you know, it's a, it's a good-sized crowd in the room, but, I, I mean, honestly, I've gone to family reunions with more people than this. Um, and, and um, you know, some of the people in my family reunion, I don't really know much about them. Um, I just know that somehow we're related. And every now and then you'll meet somebody, okay, uh, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm so-and-so. So-and-so is my grandpa. And, you know, you know, I'm like, okay, let's see. 
your grandpa was related to my uncle, he's related to my dad. Uh, you know, you, you're kind of connected. Okay, yeah, 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 I know. So where do you live? Well, I live over here. And, and you know, will you ever see him again? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but, but we're family, we're connected, and we know that we have that connection. And, and, and you know that um, when you're with that person, you feel comfortable because you know that you're a part of a family, of a body. And it's the same way in church. So the diversity of gifts in the church, as, as we come in here, he's saying, you know what, there's a diversity of the gifts within the church. And, and this is the big thing that Paul talks about, is saying that there's just a lot of differences going on here. And that's good. And, and it's like when you go to the big family reunion, you know, there's a lot of different stuff going on. You got people who do all different kinds of work and different things, and, and they come in. But um, the temptation to comparisons is a danger that, that Paul is warning us. We need to avoid this, this temptation that we have to compare ourselves to others or to compare our gifts to other people. Instead, we must constantly remind ourselves of what Jesus has accomplished in us and work together to grow, to, to grow together. So we, we focus on this is who we are in Christ. In Christ, we are a family. And that's, that bond in Christ, is, as Pastor Greg talked about a couple of weeks ago, said, you know, the, the spiritual bond that we have is stronger than the blood bond that we have. It's a strong, strong bond because it's a bond for eternity. And, and so as we come into that, we function best when, when we know that and we understand that. In Hebrews 12, 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So <clears throat> we function best when we're aware of the fact that we're a body and, and not individual players, we're a team. Teams function best when they function, not as individuals, but they function as a unit together as a team. And, and so we <clears throat> come along beside one another, we cheer each other on, we help each other when we're hurting, and, and we're there. So these are important things that, that, um, that we need to remember in 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27. Paul said, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So it's really easy to forget how much we need each other if we're going to fully function as the body of Christ. <clears throat> so we need to remember that every single one is important. Everybody has a role to play. And, and so we come in there and, and look, you know, what, what's my gift? What's your gift? Um, how, do I, um, <clears throat> how do I serve? And we have to understand that God has placed us here for a purpose, and each part needs to be there. We make each other complete because my gifts complement uh, your gifts. And your gifts make it possible for me to... to do my gift to exercise my gift and my gift makes it possible for you to likewise do your gift and and then together we make known the glory of God in Jesus Christ to our world 
I mean, people come in and they see and they say, you know, what is it with these people? They love one another. They care for one another. They care for people around them. And they work together and they get along together. And they do that and, and they wonder, you know what, and, and, they're, and they're different. They have different likes, different dislikes, but they're able to come together under this one common theme. And that common theme is Jesus and, and knowing that we're doing all for his honor and glory. So we serve one another with humility. We always remember that we're family. And the final thing is, is that we care for one another. Finally, what he says is, he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if in service, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, he doesn't list every spiritual gift that there is. He says, there, here, here is a kind of a bullet list of a few things that, that uh, take place. But he does give us a look at using our unique design to care for one another and to help one another. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul put it this way. He said, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And you say, what is the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good? He says he gives you a spiritual gift. He's made a gift alive in you he's given you the ability to do something to serve he lists a few things here in in this passage he said uh, he lists uh, prophecy serving teaching exhortation contributing um, leading acts of mercy these are a handful of them but think about it these are all things that make a church really unique and every single one of those things is important. There, there are other gifts that are listed in other places in the New Testament. It's not a sermon on spiritual gifts. But, but what I'll say is, is God gives each of us a gift. And when it says there's a manifestation of the Spirit, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul put it this way. He said that when you were saved, when you come to know Christ, that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is the mark of authenticity on the life of a believer. It is the down payment for the future hope that we have in Christ. That the Spirit of God lives in you. He's, he's not, the, spiritual, uh, the Holy Spirit is not something for super spiritual Christians. He's for everybody. That He is the mark of authenticity in the life of the believer is what He tells us in Ephesians chapter 1. And He gives us a gift. So as you come in, there, there are a lot of things listed here. And, and to be honest with you, uh, you know, if you look in the room, um, some of them you go, well, you know what, we nearly all do some of these things. I mean, for instance, everybody in the room teaches in one way or another. I mean, we all teach. You, you say, well, no, I, I'll never teach. I'm not a teacher. I could never be a teacher or any number of things. Look, you're teaching people stuff all the time. Whether you know it or not, you're teaching people stuff. Um, you, if you've got children, you're teaching them every day. And if you're not, you're in trouble. You got to teach them how to do stuff. Otherwise, they'll, they'll be helpless. I mean, so, so we all teach. But there's some people, when they teach, everybody notices. It's like they're not just passing on, you know, a little bit of information on how-tos or whatever. But, but when they teach, you just go, wow, they just really make this come alive for me. Or this person really has a gifting of being able to teach in a way that takes really big things and puts them in simple packages for me to under, you know, they're, they're able to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. 
And, and so you come in and, and you look at that, and that's a gift. It is a gift that some people have. And, and this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, if, if you have this gift, use it according to the grace that God has given to you. Um, and so that, that we need to uh, understand that, that there are a few things that each of us do well. Um, there are a handful of things that I do well. And there's a whole lot of other stuff that I just shouldn't do. As a matter of fact, one thing that you'll never see me do is, is try to do what Natalie did. Look, I'm like old enough to be her grandpa. And she is way, way, way more advanced than I will ever be in that area. I mean, she's just good. You know, she's just good. She's gifted. And she just picked up the guitar not too long ago. Look, I've got a guitar, but you don't want to see it. It's broke. But, but, but that's the thing. You know, it, it just is. And, and this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, the people who have it, use it. Use it to the benefit of the entire church body. And he's telling us that we need to focus on the things that God has wired and gifted us to do. So, I mean, what do I do? What do I, do? I talk well. I mean, I've always talked a lot. And, and I don't have a problem talking. I mean, I could, it's almost time to go, so I won't talk much longer. Well, uh, I'll try not to lie. But, but anyway, I mean, I've always talked. As a matter of fact, uh, you go back and you, you know, it, it, my first report card in school, you know, it, we used to get check marks. I don't know what you guys get nowadays, but used to we get check marks for, con- if, you know, for, they call them citizenship check marks and a check mark is a bad thing not a good thing so you don't want any check marks because you got in trouble for check marks when you went home and my check mark you know what my check mark was talks too much now go figure see I make a living talking now it all worked out but I had to get that under control trust me my dad told me I did have to get that under control and my mom told me, you're going to get it under control. But, but I just understand. I know what my strengths are, and I know what my weaknesses are. And I'm happy to do what I'm good at and let other people do the other stuff. Because that's the way God designed the body. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with knowing what you're good at. And, and there's nothing wrong with admitting that you're good at. That's not being prideful. That's being honest. If you're good at teaching, and whenever you do a class, all of a sudden the class has lots and lots of people that keep showing up, you know, the, you know what that means? You're a really good teacher or there's nothing else available. And really, if there's nothing else available, they're just not going to come anyway. So it, it's just the way that it works when people show up. And, and you know that there's nothing wrong with embracing it and just saying, you know what, this is what God's made me to do. As a matter of fact, I love it. I enjoy it. When I do this, I feel alive. And I feel like I'm doing what God has made me to do. And that's good. And God's made all different kinds of people to do all different kinds of things. And, and we need to understand that. We need to celebrate that and know that, that we are here and God has given us gifts to care for one another and to help one another. And, and so Paul is saying, focus on the things that God has wired and gifted you to do. Know your wheelhouse and work in it. Know it. 
and, and it doesn't matter what it is. Did you notice he didn't say it doesn't? He didn't say, you know, the, these are the gifts over here. If you got them, you really need to work. And if you don't, you need to aspire to them. He didn't say that at all. He said, God has given you a gift, and that gift is imperative to the health of the body. And you need to work and use it to care for other people. It really doesn't matter what it is. Look, I, I could tell you all kinds of things. There are people who have, you know, I'll just call it the gift of serving. And, and they're really good. And, and when something breaks here, they always show up to fix it. They always show up to fix it. And you say, well, you know, they're just gifted. They're mechanical. Well, no, they're not. I mean, yeah, they are mechanical, but they're spiritual. That's spiritual. That's saying God has given me ability. Um, I don't do what you do, but this is what I do. This is what God made me do. And you know what? I love it when I do it. I love doing it. I love it when you call me to do it. I feel like I'm being used by God to use this gift in such a way. And all of us benefit from it because the heat's working. The fans are working. And some of you are saying, no, it's too cold. And some of you are saying, yeah, it feels too, just right. And others are saying, no, it's too hot. You know, whatever it is. But, but it's all working. And it's all good. We try to keep it just cool enough that you don't fall asleep. Um, <clears throat> so uh, anyway, you know, these are things that God has given us to use to care for one another and to take the gospel to the nations. So my gifts aren't just for my good. They're for your good as well. And, and they're for the common good. So knowing what your gift is, it's not pride, it's awareness. It's not pride, it's awareness. And that enables you to use it for the good of others. So, so don't feel bad about it when you're saying, you know what, this is something that I love to do. I really feel satisfied when I'm doing this. And, and I feel like God is using me when I'm doing this. Do it. And, and, and just watch and see how God uses you. That's humility. And that's knowing that you're a part of the family. And the way we use our gifts are pretty limitless, meaning that there are different ways to adapt them to specific needs. Now, you can take your gifts and adapt them to specific needs. You, you may, um, <clears throat> there may be some hobby or something that you just really love doing. And, and you can do that to reach people and, and to be able to share Jesus with them. I mean, that's, that's just being aware. God has given me an ability, and, and he's also given me a heart to reach people and to be shared uh, and, and to be able to reach people. So we use those things um, <clears throat> to reach people, and, and there are several different ways that we care for one another. In the New Testament, there are a whole lot of one another verses. And, and so um, I'll just throw out some of the one another's in the, old, in the New Testament. It says, to love one another, to live in harmony with one another, to outdo one another in showing love, to welcome one another, to greet one another, comfort one another, agree with one another, bear with one another in love, admonish one another, encourage one another, build up one another, confess to one another, pray for one another, serve one another, fellowship with one another, show hospitality to one another. These are all some of the positive one another's in the New Testament. There's also some negative ones like don't gossip about one another or to one another. Um, don't... Uh, don't devour one another, etc. Um, but, but the bottom line is, in, in exercising our gifts, is that we are to love one another in practical ways. And we do that when we get to the point of realizing that we're all in this together and that we're all equally important. Everybody in the family matters. Each person has gifts and each role is essential in fulfilling the the 
the task that God's given to us. You know, when, when you come in and you look at a church family, there, there are people all over the spectrum. There are people who are new believers. There are people who are mature believers. There are people who have been here forever. It's like in a family. Trish and I, we brought on three babies. Brought on three beautiful baby girls um, many years ago. They're grown now. But, um, but you know what they did? They spit stuff up. I mean, you know, all I could say is when you bring a baby home, just count on something. There's all kinds of stuff that comes out of them. And then, on top of that, they wake you up in the middle of the night. And during the day, I mean, you know, that's just what babies do, right? And, and just when you just put it like that, go, wow, why would anybody ever want one? Because they bring incredible joy and pride and happiness and accomplishment. And, and it's what God's made us to do, right? I mean, and, and so as, as we come in and, and, and we look at that, we, we see, you know, we see these children as they come in and, and we watch them and, and we see them do things and, and sometimes you just kind of laugh and, and sometimes, you know, those of us who don't have small children, when your children do things that, you, you know, you, you feel like you want to cringe, we're just laughing, you know, going, oh yeah, I've been there. Um, and, and it's just one of those deals, you know, because that's just the way life works, right? And in the church, we have new Christians who come in, and sometimes they're the same way. Sometimes they do stuff, and you go, ooh, we need to talk about that, you know? But there, it's nothing to get flipped out about. It's just what baby Christians do, you know? We just grow, and we come along, and we help, and we encourage one another, and we train one another. And you know what happens? Here's what happens. Those children grow up. Then they come do things for you. It's nice, you know. Um, it's really nice. It really works, and um, and, and it's it's a good thing. But everybody's got all these different gifts and all these different abilities. And and I I spent you know twenty. Well, I spent more than that. I spent I spent a whole lot of years outnumbered by girls. Man, we had all girls. It was like I lived in a sorority house, and um, you know it it was it was very girl. And, um, and you weren't going to make it anything else. And, and um, you know, one of the most enjoyable days that I remember is when my oldest daughter got married, her husband, they were home, and they, they were spending a couple weeks with us at Christmas. And our youngest daughter was in junior high. And, and so she was used to being the only one at home now. And, and she pretty much had things to herself. And... And she comes downstairs and walks into the living room to watch TV. And there in the living room sits this bearded young man watching the Outdoor Channel. And she didn't know what to think. Just like, where's, where's HGTV? Where's this? And I'm just like, yes! Yes! Finally! We're there! Something besides the girl stuff. And, 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 and you just come in, and, and, and the deal is, is everybody has a role to play. Everybody has a thing that they do. And, and it's really good when, when you got it all firing all the way around, and everything is happening. And, and so we come in, and everybody in our church is essential. 
Look, if you're here, God placed you here for a reason. He's got a purpose for it. And, and don't ever buy the lie that I don't have anything to offer. Because Jesus changed you for a purpose. Jesus met you for, you met Jesus for a purpose. And, and if you know Jesus, he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you don't know him, he wants you to know him so that he, you can be a part of the plan and the purpose that he has for your life. And, and that's the, the hope of the Bible and the good news. And, and so everybody has gifts and, a, and an essential role to play. So as, as we come in, you know, when, when we came into this series, look, this was not my idea. I would not have cooked this thing up. And, and, but there were other people in the church and on the fellowship team. They came and said, look, we want to sit down with you. We want to meet with you and, and talk about some things that, that we prayed about and we really feel that, that we want to do in our church. And here's some areas that we think would be really good. And I'm like, okay, this is great. What do you guys want to do? You guys always do a great job. What is it? And they said, well, one, we would like to do a series this spring before summer hits on, on community and small groups. And we'd really like... To, to do something that, that emphasizes that and that everybody in the church and every small group is doing the same thing. So we'll be together, we'll be on the same page, and we can get some people involved in this before we come into the fall and, and we can look into this. I said, okay, great, tell me what you want it to look like. And, and so I got a text message about this long, not a long one, just about this long with the topics that we've done. They said, these are the things that we want you to do. I said, okay, I can do that. I can do the sermons. That's, that's my thing. That's, that's where I'm gifted. And, and you people are gifted with ideas and I'm not. So, so let's go and, and do that. And, and so we did. And then the last one, they said, on caring. And by the way, on caring, we would like for you um, to talk about how do we care for the church staff? Or you could have one of the deacons do it, um, either way. And so caring. So I'll just go on with that. You know, first of all, um, as pastors, we, we cover um, some very specific things. But ultimately, we're equipping each of you to fulfill your God-given calling. That's, that's what we feel like is our calling. It, as, as Paul said in Ephesians, that, that the role of the pastor is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. That we're to equip you to be involved in ministry, to use your gifts and your talents in, in serving. And as staff, we feel very appreciated and loved. I mean, we very much feel very appreciated and loved. As, as a matter of fact, I'm getting ready to have three full months off um, for a sabbatical. I mean, it just doesn't get any more love than that. So, you know, I mean, I'm feeling really loved, and that's a great thing. And um, so as, as you come in, that's, you know, first of all, I'd say that all three of us, our families, we feel appreciated and loved. I, I would say that the guys, you know, we talk and, and everybody's pretty honest about what they think. So, so there it is. Um, you care for us. How do you care for us? You care for us by understanding that we're a part of the body, that we're a part of the church and that we exercise our gifts for the common good. I use my gifts for the common good. Greg does and Roy does. We all do that. And, and so that's, that's really pretty much that's how I would lay that out. Uh, the next thing I would say, now my kids are all grown, but they have small kids. And I'd say our kids are just like the rest of the kids here. Our kids are no different than anybody else's kids. And, and they're not Bible scholars. We don't have theology classes at home. Um, you know, we, we don't, you know, sit and teach them all the great 
things that you know we do for our jobs no more than you do for your kids i mean we but but we do do a few things with them we read the scripture to them we pray with them we we bring them to church we teach them we we train them and we do the same things that anybody else any christian parent should do within their home that's that's just it but but having said that they're just normal kids just like anybody else's so just remember that a pastor's kids are just like anybody else's kids. They're going to do good things. They're going to do dumb things. And, and they're going to do things all in the middle. And, and that's just the way that, um, that we all are. We, we all come up and we grow and we learn. But um, you also understand that, um, <clears throat> that they're figuring out their gifts just like your kids are figuring out their gifts. And they're figuring out how God wants to use them in the church body. And <clears throat> so... That's, that's, what, um, that's, that's what it looks like for them. So I say, you know, first of all, just know our kids are just like your kids. Um, and then the other thing, our wives, our wives are just like your wives. Men, <laughs> you know, um, they, uh, they're uniquely gifted individuals who have a calling and a gifting. And, you know, I, I'd say, a, you know, a funny thing. So Trish and I have been married about 33 years. And, and everywhere we've been doing ministry stuff, do you know what the first question that nearly always the first question last, do you play piano? No, she doesn't. Do you sing? No, I don't. Um, and, and so it's kind of a funny thing. And actually, we, you know, staff-wise, we've kind of been that way. Now, um, Roy and Amy, Amy actually, I think she plays everything and sings. But, um, but you know, not everybody has that gift. And, and so it's, it's not, you know, there, there isn't, quote, you know, preacher's wives are, they fit in this box. They fit in the same box that a zillion other people fit into, which is multiple boxes. You know, it's whatever box God wired and made them to do. And, and so, um, you know, it's funny. People would ask, you know, they'd say, so, um, so what's your wife doing? I said, well, she takes care of me. I'm a full-time job. Um, and, uh, and honestly, you'd have fired me a long time ago without her because she's the one that, that, uh, that tempers me. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, that's, that's just the way it is, but, but they're uniquely gifted individuals who have a calling and a gifting and, and just to understand that, that, that they're a part, they're in our families and, and that's the role that they play and, and that they do. And, and they serve in the church just like anybody else serves in the church. They're no different than anyone else and then um, the final way I would I would just wrap it up this way I would say really we appreciate being a part of the body not employees and 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 we do feel that way I feel like I'm a member of the church not employee of the church now I understand that yes I am employed I get a w-2 and and there are responsibilities that go along with that and 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 that's that that's just goes without saying um, another way of putting it is don't be stupid. Of course, you're employed by the church. But, but on the other hand, I, I certainly want to feel like I'm a part of a family, not an employee of a family. You know, I'm not the gardener. Um, and, and I don't feel like that. And, and we don't feel like that. We feel very loved in our church. We feel very cared for in our church. And, and these are all things just, just to remember kind of coming down. We care for each other and, and the church staff, we're no different than anybody else. We just have a role that's kind of visible. But, um, but honestly, 
It's no more important than the invisible roles. Every role matters. Every person matters. Everything that God has equipped us to do matters because just like I don't want to lose any body parts, I don't want to lose any church parts. They all matter. They're all important. They all need to be working. And together, God has put us here to do way, way, way more than any one of us could do individually. And if it all depended on me, we'd be sunk right now. But, but there are so many people who are so gifted and, and creative and, and loving and caring and serving and praying and so many different things. It's absolutely amazing what happens when you bring a church body together. And, and I'm happy and proud to be a part of this one. And, and I'm proud to be called your pastor. And, and everybody on staff here is very happy and, and has, you know, loves it here. Greg says, man, these are the golden years. I mean, these, you know, he talks about, he says, this place has been absolutely the best place I've ever been. And, and so, you know what? That's a testament to you guys as a church to understanding this stuff. And that's who we want to be. We're on a journey together to accomplish something together. And God has put us all here. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do next. Let's pray. Father, we come before you praising you for the blessings that you've given to us, for your love and your kindness and your goodness. Lord, for the fact that you have